before, if I moved and there was pain, I would immediately stop because I was um, listening to my body and the pain meant stop. Stop whatever you're doing. That's not the right thing to do. The, the new movement was, oh, the pain's still there, but that's okay. You can still move. And I kept exercising or um, walking, mostly walking when I was in severe pain. Welcome to episode 15 of the Empowered Beyond Pain podcast, proudly brought to you by Bodylogic Physiotherapy. In today's episode, we talk to Megan, who had a history of debilitating back pain. She had seen many health professionals and had three spinal surgeries, but was still experiencing serious pain. Her pain had a dramatic impact on her life as a busy mum of four young kids, and unsurprisingly was accompanied by panic and depression. But about four to five years ago, she finally found a health professional who was able to coach her back to living. And a big part of that was reframing what the experience of pain meant. We discuss her journey and the strategies she used to retrain her brain, to detrain her pain, in the context of Fact 5 from the 10 facts every person needs to know about back pain research paper. Fact 5, as narrated by pain patient advocate Tina, was... Pain with exercise and movement doesn't mean you're doing harm. When pain persists, it is common that the spine and surrounding muscles become really sensitive to touch and with movement. Importantly, the pain you feel during movement and activities reflects how sensitive your structures are, not how damaged you are. So it's safe and normal to feel some pain when you start to move and exercise. This usually settles down with time as you get more active. In fact, exercise and movement are one of the most effective ways to treat back pain, and having a health professional coach you through the process can be helpful. It's great to have you here listening or watching this with us from wherever you are around the world. Thanks for taking time out of your day to learn about the new science around pain and what to do about it. Some of you may recognise Megan from the West Australian Department of Health-run Pain Health website, where she has done a patient story video previously. You can find a link to her story, which I refer many patients to, as well as infographics and any other relevant links discussed in today's episode on the show notes page, which is www.bodylogic.physio forward slash podcast. We hope you're having a great day wherever you're listening in from. Please share this conversation if you know someone who would benefit. And remember to ask, is there more to pain than damage? Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're starting here with uh, episode 15 of the podcast and um, we're addressing facts number five from the Back Pain Facts paper. Um, This came about as a result of, as you've heard in episode four and five, um, several people with back pain um, going through a process where they recovered and there was these 10 myths that kept holding people back. And the myth we're addressing today is pain related to exercise and movement is always a warning that harm is being done to the spine and a signal to stop and modify activity. So you have a lived experience of, um, you know, these sort of myths holding you back. So I was wondering if you could start just by telling, um, sort of summarising your story of your your back pain experience. Okay, for sure. So I've always, in my teens, I started having a little bit of back pain when I overdid things. It wasn't terribly bad. Just once or twice I hurt my back carrying something heavy. And then I had four children and in my late 30s and 40s, my back pain got worse and worse. Every time I carried something heavy or lifted suitcases or um, 
did something unusual and I would hurt my back and it would last for a few days. I'd have a pain episode, but it would get better. And then I'd move on, take a few anti-inflammatories, move on. But then in my mid-40s, I was spending a long time um, sitting at the computer and my back got worse and worse and worse. And I lifted some heavy bee boxes one day um, off the beehives and my back went and I didn't get better. I thought it would go in after a few days, but it didn't get better. And it ended up with me having a um, back operation where I had a slip disc and had the back operation. And my rehab after that was fine. Got better quite quickly. No problem. And I did all the exercises. I did all the bracing and the, looked after myself when I was bending over and all the things I was told to do, I did. And my back seemed to be fine. But then two years later, it happened again. And I ended up having two more operations and I didn't bounce back after those operations. And I couldn't understand it because I was doing everything I was told to do. And I would also rest. They told me to, when I hurt my back badly, just to rest and it would come right. And I was resting, 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 and it never came right. And then I saw a series of um, physios and nothing helped. I would... um, try their different um, solutions and work. And then I finally found one that worked for me. And um, they they taught me to unlearn a lot of the things that I'd learned. And I learned that I could bend my back when I was picking up things. I could exercise. I could push through pain. And by walking and pacing myself, I could actually get through the pain um, periods. And I was much stronger at the end of it. Can I take you back? Um, you said after the surgeries that you kind of got stuck. What do you think was different? Because after the first surgery, you said you were good. Yes. What was different about your experience after the second and third surgeries? I think after the second and third surgeries, uh, my response to pain was a very learned one. So in the beginning, I would start to gradually feel pain and it would build up over time. Mm. And I'd go from 0 to 100 over a period of time. Mm. But the second time, I'd go from 0 to 100 in a few hours. I just, my, it was like my body so knew. Up. Yes, mm. it knew how to, I got really good at feeling pain. And mm. any little thing that happened to me, it, if I tweaked my back, mm. suddenly I was in pain. Whereas before you tweak your back and move on. Right. But I had... I think what was a learned response to pain. You know, immediately you would freeze and panic and think, mm. I've done it again. It's right. gone. Um, I've gone down that rabbit hole. It's yeah. too late. I've done it. Yeah. And So that's interesting. You're saying there's both a learned response, but that's a learned thinking response and an emotional response yes. as well. Yes, I think yeah. so. So you talk yeah. about panic. Yes, and fear. Like, mm. I've done it again. Mm. I'm going exactly, I'm yeah. heading for the fourth operation. Yeah, start. okay. Yeah. And those operations were scary for you? Or yes. that whole process was scary yes, for you? Yes, because I've never had anything yeah. wrong before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And what did you make of the fact that you had this ongoing pain and yet you'd so-called been fixed by the surgery? How did that, how did you make sense of that? I thought there was something wrong with my back. Right. That I was there was some mechanism up in my back and I'd hurt it and I could never recover. And I thought that once you had back pain, you would always have back pain. Right. And had someone told you that? 
I think my mother always had back pain and she always had a sore back. And so when I was growing up, I was always told, don't slouch, don't sit with your legs crossed. Um, You know, every time I picked up something, I was told, be careful, watch your back, watch your back. So you had early messages from a very young age that your back was vulnerable and needed to be protected. Yes. And if it ever got hurt, to just stop what you're doing. Right. and don't do that. Do something else that um, yeah, okay. that won't hurt your back. Yeah, okay. And so during that process when you felt like you were, had trained the pain, sort of what you're saying, isn't yes, it, to become absolutely. hyper alert to your pain? Unintentionally. You know, and, we get that. And, yeah. <laughs> it's not like you'd want to do that. <laughs> um, what do you think was happening in your body? Because obviously they were the thoughts and the, the feelings around your pain, but what did you think was happening in your body at the time? I think my body was sort of, it would freeze. Right. It would get tighter. It would be like, um, just get tense and tight yeah, okay. and, and exacerbate yeah, okay. what was going so on. So in a sense, that learnt pain response was also a learnt protective response. Yes, Where you were much guarding so. and protecting your body because of the fear of doing stuff. And also because I didn't feel I could make it come right on its own, that I couldn't heal it, right. it was it was protecting it from um, any more degeneration. Yeah, okay. Had you been told you had degeneration? I think I was told that once I would always have a vulnerable back. Yes, right. I was told that. Yeah, okay. And so were you given specific advice to protect your back? Given lots uh, of advice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So give me examples of what that looked like. So as a small example, when I was loading the dishwasher, I was taught to stand up tall, suck in my core, and then bend from the knees and never bend my back and sort of lift the dishes out the dishwasher. Never lift more than a six-pack of beer was was the weight advice I was given. Lift everything. Yeah. Basically don't bend over. And that was after your surgeries. You've been told that. Yes. Yes. And were you ever told that that was just for a short period of time and that you could go back to normal at any time or was that... It was that told you like this is your new future? Yes, that was the new me. Right. Okay. And so, and I think I'm not sure if I was told it, but I sort of believed it was something that was a downward spiral. So this had happened. I was now had a vulnerable back, and then pain was inevitable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that must have been pretty scary for you because you, you know, pretty young, and you (laughs) and you 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 naturally uh, were someone who had been very active as well up until then. Yes. So how did that feel? Well, I think I was quite depressed about it, actually. Mm. I thought it was the end of my life as I knew it. Mm. I thought I will always be in pain. Mm. I've just got to manage it. Mm. I can't do all these things I want to do. And Mm. if I do want to do them, I'll have to do it with pain and I'll have to make pain my friend. Yeah, okay. And I didn't want to take all the drugs that were given to me freely and gaily. Okay. But, um, yeah, I think it was very distressing. Yeah. And so what was the explanation that you were given by the various people you saw for the reason you had this ongoing pain? I think they said I was born like that. It was right. just genetic and okay. that was my lot in life. Okay. And so you were thinking that wasn't something that could change? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. But there was still a little glimmer of hope that you could do something. What, what drove that, do you think? Because you didn't just accept it by the sounds. Well, I did, it didn't make sense. That so I could what go, bit didn't make sense? It didn't make sense that I could go from being very active and have a full life to suddenly having a vulnerable back. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't accept it that I was so young mm-hmm. 
And it was also a bit of a bleak outlook. Mm. You know, I mm. wanted to be able to do. Mm. All the, and I also had four young children. And mm. I didn't have time to, mm. to lie around. Because mm. that's what I was being told is to rest, rest, rest. Mm. And I didn't have the time to do that. So I started looking for health professionals who had had lots of success with back pain. And I thought there must be a different way to, mm. to treat my back that didn't involve drugs. Because mm. also I had to try the painkillers and they didn't yeah. work. They worked yeah. in the beginning, but not yeah. after a while. So the, the effect yes. we, we know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just kept looking for another solution. Yeah. Okay. So the kind of picture that you paint before you went down that other path was, you know, your back's genetically vulnerable you know, it's now got to, you got a back you just got to live with and look after and manage and your management was to protect it and rest and yes. you didn't really have time for that and it didn't go, it went against your grain yes. as well, which yes. is why you thought I need to do something different. Yes, exactly yeah. right. And, and that was impacting on both your emotional, mental health, physical health, your ability to do stuff, you know, just do normal things with your Absolutely. children, all of those things. It's a very so lonely like, place to be because yeah. you can't, explain your pain to anyone else yeah. and a lot of people are in pain and you just got yeah. to suck it up and you yeah. want to suck it up yeah but it's always present yeah yeah so how was that how did that change then to go from a point where you were terrified and feeling panicked to have pain to build trust in your body again because that sounds like a a tough journey well it is a it's a long process and at the beginning I didn't think it was possible Mm. but I did find um someone who was treating me who told me in our first meeting that he'd seen lots of people like me and that I would get back to totally back to normal and I remember crying sitting in the car afterwards crying Mm. because he'd also made me bend over in our assessment Mm. and that was something I didn't actually do and I didn't think I could do it without Mm -hmm. pain. Mm -hmm. So I think my journey started with trusting him, trusting Mm -hmm. his expertise and then allowing myself to take his advice and not be um, scared of his advice. So Mm -hmm. we did everything slowly. So I got back in the gym and I would lift things, but we started off with very light things. They were just a whisper of a box. And then by the end I was picking up a big box Mm. like my beehives mm. and it was because that was one of your goals wasn't it to yes. go back to doing the lifting how which was what you originally hurt yourself with mm. yes right yes. so that was quite a potent and I was very afraid fear. of picking up those heavy boxes because yeah, right. previously it hurt yourself and I also had this concept that a slipped disc that your disc was like a little round disc that kind of slid in and out of your spine and I felt that it was easy when you picked up a box for your disc to just slide out okay so I always had to be retaught all those things Uh, that it's not it's a bulging disc it's Mm. not there's nothing slipped about it and and once I was explained the mechanics and I got the confidence to pick up the heavy things Mm. but it was a process Mm -hmm. it was and how long did that take I reckon it took about nine months to be mm. confident. And I still have it. I still go to do something and I think, oh, should I do that? Then I mm. think, you're fine. Just pick it up. Don't think about it. Bend your back. Mm. Don't brace yourself. Mm. Don't suck up any core. Just do it. Mm. So it's still an ongoing. Yeah. So that's, those things sneak back in, like yes. the doubt. 
Yes. Yeah. So yes. that's something you have to update yourself with all the time. Constantly. Yeah. Yes. And and during that process, was it painful to do? You know, did you experience pain when you were starting to get moving differently and yes. use your body differently? And 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 how was that? Given that pain to you was a signal that and created panic. How was it to stay calm while you were doing that and trust that you weren't doing harm to yourself? Well, it's pretty hard. <laughs> but I think I, when I understood as well that pain, all pain starts in your brain, I was able to tell my brain to cut yeah, it out, just stop, and I'd be able to calm myself down and go, you're not actually in pain. You're not hurting yourself. This might feel mm. uncomfortable. This might mm. feel painful, but mm. it's not hurting you. So keep doing it. That's quite a hard thing message to swallow, though. That your yes. your your brain itself is trying to protect you because of a memory of something, but that protection is now not needed. It is, but mm-hmm. I think it is a very um, it, it shows my age. You know, when we were mm-hmm. when I was a child, you were told if you had a brain injury or if you you know, broke something in your brain, it was never, you would never be able to fix it. That was it. Right. That was your love and life. Yeah, but okay. now we know that a brain yeah. repairs itself. Yeah, right. So we know the brain is... Um, plastic. Plastic, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And and you can teach your brain not to feel the pain. Mm-hmm. You've got to get off that super And how did you do that? Because I know our listeners would love to know what tools you had to do that. I think it's practice. It's like any... Any activity, you've got to practice it and you've got to practice what? Teaching your brain to stop panicking. How though? I'm just interested. (laughs) I'm really interested in that. So for me. Because it's such a, I mean, everyone's different. So I used a lot of meditation. Okay. A lot of breath. Yeah. I I still do it. I calm myself. I calm my breathing. Yeah. And I also, I'm a very visual person. Yeah. So I use color. In, yeah, my, right. in my thoughts. It yeah, sounds right. wacky, but no, I do. Right. <laughs> I, do. Space, actually. <laughs> I, I breathe in blue and yeah, I right. make it swirl around yeah. my brain and yeah. I breathe it out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I teach my kids, I say, mm-hmm. breathe in, mm-hmm. accept the pain and push it out. Mm-hmm. So. so that's kind of like, um, in a sense, using uh, meditation and breathing and visualisation to calm your nervous system. Yes, before you engage with something yes. that's scary. So it kind of inhibits your panic response while you do it. Yes. Because the panic response is really strong. Yeah. And it is, it can take over. I mean, I think that's yeah. how we survive. Yeah. And how strong is that panic response now in you? If you look at where it was at the beginning and look at where you are now, say, for lifting and stuff. Oh, it's nowhere near. Right. Nowhere near. Yeah. And it's it's wonderful to have it yeah. so small. It's still there. I'm mm. not going to say it's not there. It does mm. come back. And sometimes, like, if I get a tingle down my leg, mm. I think, oh, then I have to remind myself mm. it's okay. So it's a definite, it takes a bit of time. And a lot of practice. Yeah. And you go, it's like climbing up a ladder. You go three steps forward, yeah. two steps back, three forward, and you just got to yeah. keep keep going. Yeah. And how long's it been now? Well, that, I think that it, you've been kind of at the other side of this journey. So I think about four and a half years. Yeah, right. Yeah. And have you had any major events in that no, time? No. Does that surprise you? No, now that I know what I know. Okay. Yeah. And what do you do now to keep your back healthy? 
So I, the minute I hurt my back, because I do sometimes get tired, mm. and mm. and often my tiredness, um, I feel tiredness, physical tiredness mm. as back pain, and, mm. I, and I now know that it's not back yeah. pain; it's just me being tired. Yeah, so instead of resting like I used to, I now go for a walk or do Pilates or mm. go to gym. Mm. So you use activity, physical activity as your mechanism of kind of rebooting your system rather than resting, which is what previously you've been told to do. Whereas before I just rest, rest, rest. Yeah, right. Interesting. Can you take us back to, I'm interested, you know, when you were unloading the dishwasher with all those strategies that you were told, can you take us back to that time and, and sort of put us into your shoes and talk to us about the, the things you were thinking were happening in your back? I think what I was doing all the time was like a body scan. No matter what I was doing, whether it was unloading the dishwasher or Mm. in my car, I was constantly scanning my back for any alarm, any alarm signals. So it was pretty all-consuming, actually. And every movement I made, I would think about my back first, whereas Mm. before I did any back trouble, I never thought about my back. Mm -hmm. It just didn't cross my mind. So... um, I think now that I'm further down the line, I, I just don't think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And when you were, you know, using those strategies and, and maybe you can talk to some of the things that you were told to do around, you know, you mentioned bracing your core and don't bend your back. Was that helpful for you What you when mean, you were when doing I, it? Oh, so when I was bracing and when yeah. I was not, no, I think I did a lot of damage. So that was uncomfortable or, or it was painful for you while you were doing that? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. And I think when I used to pick up things, I'd go down onto my onto my haunches and then I would stand up with them. And it was really heavy and really uncomfortable and I'd often hurt my back. Now when I just bend over naturally and pick something up, it's a fluid movement and there's no pain. Isn't that interesting compared to, you know, if we look at the um, the common messages around back pain and around ergonomic advice, it's, it's all the stuff that you were doing and yet you were doing all those things and you still had pain. In fact, you sort of felt like you were doing more damage. Yes. So can you kind of contrast, you know, back then you were thinking you were sort of scanning, you were on kind of threat detection mode, you were looking yes. for any sort of sign that potentially you were going to hurt your back. What are the thoughts that go through your head now or, or how do you, you sort of overcome that? So now I think I pretty much don't even think about it, but it it took a while for me to do that. And sometimes I do. If it's something particularly big, uh, I I do consider it. And then I just go through the process of going, take a breath, do it the natural way, bend over and lift. So I don't have the fear because I know and I'm confident I'm not going to hurt my back. Mm. So I think the fear exacerbates it and makes Mm. it worse and then makes your back pain even worse. So I remember you mentioned earlier um, before we started recording this that you were at the beach once and you were doing some bending. Can you tell us, talk us through that experience? So I was just bending over and touching my toes and stretching out my back in a very natural way. And a friend of mine who's a doctor rushed over to me and said, don't do that. You're going to slip a disc again because he knew my history. And it did. I got a fright and I stopped doing what I was doing and I knew he was wrong. But because he was a doctor, I, I, I don't know, I came a, became a bit subservient and I was like, oh. And so it made I you doubt to, what you were it doing. It did make me doubt it because he does know what he's talking about. Mm. But... um. 
when I thought about it, I just, and then I spoke to my, my physio about it and he said, no, let's, you, what you're doing is, is right. Let's keep going down that path. And then I haven't looked back. Interesting. Because I think what it highlights is that these messages that, you know, Kev and you are alluding to are everywhere. Yes. But you don't have to walk far in a workplace or in a manual setting to hear people advising around how you should hold your body and how you should protect your body and how you should sit and all these rules that we have. What are your thoughts on that now in kind of hindsight? Well, I always want to stop people and correct mm. them and say, yeah. no, you, you can actually do that. Mm. And I have to stop myself sometimes. It's mm. <laughs> <laughs> not my business. But, um, no, I think for me, my thoughts are that it's given me such freedom. Mm. It's given me a normal life. I don't have back pain. Mm. It's given me the tools. So instead of hurting myself more, I've got the tools not to hurt my back again. Mm. So the other thing that I'd love you to kind of touch on is if you talk to others, and there'll be lots of people who will listen to this um, and maybe reflect on their own experience or clinicians who are working with people who are in a similar situation. And when someone's in a lot of pain and they're frightened and their body's in protective mode, what would you tell them? What would you what would you say to them? Or for a clinician and maybe also for um, a person who was in your situation, given your experience, what would what advice would you give the clinician and what advice would you give So um, I would my advice the patient would or the be person? I would I definitely do refer them to the people that I, I use. Because I think to have a strong healthcare team behind you mm. who, who talk about neuroplasticity mm. and who talk about the new way of treating backs is so important. Mm. Also, um, suggest some of the books that I read on mm. neuroplasticity. Mm. And I also tell them to rethink how they have been thinking. And we, and we talk mm. about the things we've been mm. talking about now, mm. about the bracing mm. yourself. And mm. I tell them to um, walk, just walk every time mm. you saw, just Walk and even if you can only walk to the first street light and back, mm. just to do that, but then do it ten times mm. during the day. And the other thing that we often hear is people when they have a setback lose trust. Yes. And you must have had some setbacks in your journey. How did you overcome them? I did have a few setbacks, but the flip side was going back to how I'd been before yeah, and taking the drugs. Didn't want to go there. Didn't want, they don't work. Yeah, right. it, it, mm. not, that doesn't work. And mm. doing things the way I had been doing them mm. didn't work. So I knew right. I was on the right path. Yeah, I really, really believed that. Yeah. And I still know I'm on the right yeah. path. That's interesting. What would you tell healthcare practitioners who may see someone like you who's had three spinal surgeries, who's had, you know, three history of three disc prolapses, who is fearful and guarded. What advice would you give them? I would gently, very gently (laughs) suggest that maybe the way we we thought about things 20 years ago or 10 years Mm. ago even is not the right way. Things have changed Mm. enormously. And I firmly believe if Mm. I had come into my current physio before my first operation, I would never have had that one. Mm. It just, it's mm. my bad luck that I didn't meet him before. Mm. But I was still buying into all the old myths mm. and the things that I'd learned mm. as, a, as a child and as a young adult. And I thought they were true. And you, mm. everyone does the best they can yeah, do. Right. Yeah. So I would say to those doctors or just to maybe speak to more people like me. Yeah. You've yeah. done it both ways yeah. now. Yeah, it's interesting because you've had both 
journeys really yeah. haven't you kind yeah. of like a tale of two stories yeah. yeah um and and i think too what the other thing we know about healthcare practitioners often they become frightened that they you know we don't want to hurt people no we don't want to do harm to people and so sometimes it taps into our, us as healthcare practitioners of someone who may have pain when they move is we're often thinking maybe this is bad for them and that's a really hard bridge as a, you know, it's like a coach. Yeah. If we're working as a coach and we're asking people to do stuff that's actually painful or that's scary and that making someone panic, you, it's very easy to kind of back away from that. But it sounds like taking you back to those things was the key. Yes. And so actually having the confidence to go, you know what, we've got to take little steps. But actually the confidence to go back to it and even if you have a hiccup, go back to it again but do it in a way that's not overwhelming. But, Pete, I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own. I mm. had to have someone mm. who I really trusted mm. knew more than me. Yeah. And I, I had to have that someone holding my hand mm. because I was really scared mm. that I was going to do more damage. Yeah. So I think... So that's key then. That is key. The trust is yes. key. Yes. Yeah. And then also doing your own research yeah. and... For me, it's reading and, yeah. and YouTube um, videos of yeah. finding other people yeah. who are in the same position and realizing yeah. that there actually is life after yeah. back pain and yeah. it gets better. Because yeah. if they had told me yeah. on that first day that yeah. in five years I wouldn't be feeling back pain, mm. I would have found it hard to believe because mm. it was so much part of my life. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. That's cool. So um, I'm hearing that the trust was a really, really important part of kind of holding your hand and guiding you through that process. Yeah. You know, we, we and, and also like listening to other people's stories and that's kind of what we're trying to do with this podcast is to showcase people's stories. That's great. And, and we've, let's say we've got, we do have lots of people listening here that um, might be experiencing back pain at this time and they might be worried about when they bend over that they're causing more damage to their back and that pain means that you should stop what you're doing and be careful with it. If you look back at your journey and, and back to those times when you were thinking sort of along those lines, what were the, maybe if we can summarise into a couple or a few of the key messages or the, like looking back, the key lessons that helped you get to where you are now? My key lessons was to move, to um make friends with my back pain and mm. and accept it, mm. but that it would end and so to move on from it mm. and to learn to also accept that it wasn't a death sentence, that it would change. Mm. And mm-hmm. the only person who could change it was me yeah. and I had to put in the time to change it and mm. I had to keep practising and keep practising until it mm diminished and it did it just slowly started to diminish and then one day I woke up and it wasn't there anymore Mm -hmm. and when you say move you know you said the first one was just move you know lots of people would say you've got to kind of keep your back pain but your back moving and you go for walks and and that's general advice for probably you, you were trying to move before you know you found you sort of found your way out of this sort of stuff what was different about the if we call it the new movement how would you contrast that well, I think the the new movement was before if I moved and there was pain, I would immediately stop because I was um, listening to my body and the pain meant stop. Stop whatever you're doing. That's not the right thing to do. The, the new movement was, oh, the pain's still there, but that's okay. You can still move. And I kept 
exercising or um, walking, mostly walking when I was in severe pain. Mm. Interesting. And look, it's interesting to highlight this because there is some good research. Well, there are a couple of things that you, you highlighted which are really well evidence-based. One is mindset, is that you developed a positive mindset. You talked about the importance of a positive mindset where yeah. before it was like, I'm doing this is it. Mm. But you were able to create a positive picture yeah. of your back, of your um, journey, that you kind of had a positive view of that process which is we know is important. Yeah. It's incredibly hard to, for people in that space to develop it. And something. And, and I presume that was something that slowly evolved, was it? Wasn't just there? Because it sounds mm-hmm. like it wasn't there at the beginning. No, I think I was in a dark place in the beginning yeah. and I thought it was hopeless. I thought yeah. I would never get better. Yeah. And then when I started to see that other people were getting better and and I started to see that you also think you're the only person who's ever had this back pain and that yours is, when you hear someone else's story, you think, oh, mine's worse because of X, Y, and Z and I'm different. I don't fall into that category. But actually, we can all get better and we can all, Mm -hmm. and increment by increment, we can Mm -hmm. all make the small little Mm -hmm. changes. Mm And you do get more hopeful. Yeah. Slowly so the hope you're getting builds better. on itself like yeah. a snowball. Yes. Like fear builds on itself like a snowball. Exactly. Yeah. And we often talk about these parallel parts of the brain. You know, you've got your fear centers that could be really, really strengthened, or you've got these kind of positive centers that can be strengthened. It sounds like you were here and it slowly started to do that. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the other part that I think is important is the um there have been some uh, reviews of studies that look at people with pain engaging in physical activity that even physical activity that hurts them and we know they're never worse from it or they're not they're not damaged and made worse from it and I think there's a very common view that if it hurts it means that I'm doing harm yes and this idea of you being in pain because your whole nervous system is sensitized and your your brain is in protective mode around that area will not let you do it if you think you're harming yourself yeah um where in actual fact they're engaging in those activities kind of teaches you that actually you can do it and you are not harming yourself. And the more you practice, the better you get. And we we see this from arthritis research to back pain research, actually engaging painful body parts with movement and activity in a graded way is actually beneficial. But it's a really hard message to sell to people when what they do hurts and their brain saying, don't do it. Yeah, I totally Mm. understand that. Yeah. And you have to teach yourself. Yeah, and that's the key with having a coach, I think, who can go hold your hand and go, it's scary, but it's safe. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I definitely couldn't have done it on my own. There's Mm. no way. I just wouldn't have had the confidence. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. (laughs) Thanks again for tuning in into another episode of the Empowered Beyond Pain podcast. Wow, what a transformation Megan had gone through. Modern science has been telling us for a while now that our bodies are bioplastic, meaning our biology, neurology, muscles, discs, joints, cartilage, and many other bodily structures and systems are adaptable and changeable in the right environment. My key take-homes were Megan's reframing of pain meaning danger and stop to pain being okay and not a direct sign of damage was key. Her learning that all pain comes from the brain was important for her. Now importantly, this doesn't mean that pain isn't real or that it's made up. It simply means that pain is a little bit more complex than being a direct reflection of the health of our tissues. Having a trusted coach to hold her hand was paramount for her turning her journey around 
and realising that discs don't slip. As pain scientist Professor Lorimer Mosley is quoted to say, discs don't slip, ever. And finally, we should be sceptical of the ergonomic dogmas of keep your back straight, brace your core and sit up tall. They aren't as evidence-based as what we used to think, which we'll discuss more of in the next episode of the podcast. We hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, please share it with your networks and tag us at EBP Podcast on the socials. We wish you safety and health wherever you are and hope you remember to ask, is there more to pain than damage? Please note, what you heard on this episode of Empowered Beyond Pain is strictly for information purposes only and does not substitute individualised care from a trusted and licensed health professional. If you would like individualised, high-value care for your pain, sports or pelvic health problem, head to the BodyLogic website and make an appointment. Theme music generously provided by Fervin and Cash.